Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Great Silencing Podcast with Testimona. And as you can imagine, I am your host, Testimona. So this is my second time recording this podcast. I just got done recording for well over an hour. I think I was going off for like 90 minutes and uh, there was this beautiful thunderstorm and just rain downpour in the background that you could hear. So when I started, it like almost sounded like an ASMR podcast, (laughs) Um, but it's totally not. Uh, But we had some amazing sounds in the background. Uh, And uh, then when I went to finish the pod and I was like, all right, I'll see y'all on the other side or next episode or wherever, you know, Um, I stopped it. And all of a sudden, everything deleted in because I'm recording this uh, where I typically record my music. So I'm recording it in my DAW, my digital audio workstation. I have never had that happen where you just record something and then you hit stop and it disappears. So don't know what that was, but I'm not about to let it stop me. Um, I don't know, man, blame it on CERN, blame it on some, the, uh, (laughs) weird astrological conjunction that we are currently having that has not happened allegedly in 2,800 years. Um, Or, you know, whatever. I mean, a new moon isn't going to do anything about that. But wait, it's a new moon today. Yay. Um, So, yeah, I uh, wanted to take the great silencing into a podcast. But first, I think I should probably start this episode off by telling you what is the great silencing uh, and how did that come to be? Because there is absolutely a story behind it. Um, when I took a survey in my one of my Telegram channels, which if you are on Telegram, my channel for the Great Silencing is at the Great Silencing Uncensored. So that is that channel on Telegram. If you are on Instagram, the title is at the Great Silencing. Um, and that is the only two places you can find that content unless you go to my website, testimona.com and go to the great silencing and then it'll say in parentheses blog. Um, so yeah, it's mostly just been me writing and talking and just needing a place to talk about what's going on in the world and in my life and airing out whatever I need to air out. Uh, without getting censored um, and without having massive repercussions um, living it. Well, I don't live in these areas anymore, but um, being able to have a space where you can like voice your opinion without um, a psychotically hypnotized Stockholm syndrome, having hive mind all like wishing death on you because you didn't participate in the, uh, genocidal Jim Jones juice experiment or whatever. And I'm not even going to get into that on this episode. Let's just, uh, let's, let's, let's stick to, uh, the great silencing here. So I wanted to take it into a podcast. Um, I talked to a few fellow podcasters and musicians, uh, in the last week or two and they're like, yo, you just need to do it. Like it's, it's time do it. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be recording music all week this week. Um, What I'm going to also include in that is I'm going to put out my first podcast episode. So that's what I'm doing. Um, And I took a poll in my Telegram channel, um, again, that is on Telegram, at The Great Silencing Uncensored. 
if you want to be in my music telegram, it's at Testimona Music. If you want to find me on literally any other platform, it is at Testimona, T-E-S-S-T-A-M-O-N-A, or you can go to Testimona.com. And I took a poll and I was like, what do y'all want to hear for the first episode? And I gave them a lot of, you know, categories like why I didn't break down the Pfizer data because I was real animate about doing that for a minute. And there's a fucking reason by why I didn't. Um, And I'm real big on do what you say you're going to do. So that was a big deal for me personally to like, you know, not do that. And there's a there's a reason why I didn't. Um, And then the other ones were like, you know, just basic red pill stuff, uh, preparedness, prepping, um, uh, community building, um, exiting the matrix. uh, And then the category that won actually was intro and background information on me, like where I come from, why I do what I do, and uh, how I've transmuted what I've been through into purpose. And that one won. Uh, the close second was community building. Um, so I can probably like wrap this, those two things in here. Um, man, I can't believe I just lost 90 minutes of audio, but you know what? We push on. Everything happens for a reason. We have a little technical glitch. It's all good. All good. Um, I am now on a different mic and feeding it through my regular recording interface Um, I can see that it's recording. I mean, it was recording last time too. So whatever, we'll see what happens. Um, but for whatever reason, the other podcast was just not meant to be heard. Um, so let's start, let's keep it real simple. Let's start with where did the great silencing come from? The great silencing came from this one day. This is, uh, in early 2021, and I was pretty damn fed up. I am not one of those people who woke up to the realities of the matrix that we live in during the alleged pandemic. Um, I woke up to that, or as they say, got red-pilled when I was 16 years old. So that would have been the year 2005. Um, Mild background on my history. I uh, left home when I was 14 years old. Um, I have been clean and sober for almost 13 years now. I got clean and sober when I was 20, almost 21. However, before that, and when I was younger than 14, I'll tell you that much, um, I got pretty heavy into drugs and alcohol and crime and street life and all that, all just that whole world. I just got, I got into it real young. Um, so I left home when I was 14, obviously you're not really like, you know, paying attention to a whole lot besides like surviving and, uh, trying to blot out your existence. So I was doing that and then I got, um, locked up for about a year and then that facility got shut down because it was losing all of the child abuse lawsuits that were being filed against it. Um, more on that on a different episode for sure. Uh, because the facility that I was in was run by a, I don't know even, this is going to get crazy. Um, look into the Synanon cult. Look into who Charles E. Diedrich is. Um, and these places that kids get sent to. 
uh, I was in one of those. So I was in there. I was supposed to be in there for two years, uh, but it got shut down. And it had been operating since the 1950s, so I'm real lucky. I was part of the group that was there when it shut down. Um, But, yeah, they couldn't keep the doors open. They kept losing cases. So uh, we got out. I got out. And I started living with my boyfriend and my boyfriend's family. And uh, my boyfriend was the one, and he actually later on became my fiance. Um, I mentioned him for a multitude of reasons, but he uh, passed away this last October. I am recording this Thursday, July 28th of 2022. And he died early in the morning, October 18th. 2021. Um, so that wasn't that long ago. That was nine months. God, it's been nine months already. Yeah. So he passed away nine months ago. Um, but yeah, he was the one that introduced me to everything. I mean, my, it's, my story is pretty typical, right? Like it's like everybody, I feel like a lot of people like woke up after nine 11, um, and usually like the first dog that it was them seeing it, like the, how it was for me, I saw a documentary that was like about like nine 11 being an inside job and like Bohemian Grove and like all this other stuff. And of course, you know, Alex Jones made it. And like <laughs> I just, uh, went down the rabbit hole from there. Uh, me and me and him together, me and my boyfriend together. Uh, we did. Uh, and back then there wasn't like social media or nothing like that. I think MySpace was around, but like, uh, I, I don't even, I don't know, fucking, I didn't really pay attention to that. Um, so it wasn't trendy to talk about it. There weren't hashtags about it. There weren't like the term truther wasn't a thing or truth seeker wasn't a thing. Like talking about it actually got you in a lot of fucking trouble. Um, So when we went and did shit, like if we met with other people that were of like mind, first off, they were hard to find. Second off, you'd find them like on the Internet. And then you guys are like all like at some like Ron Paul meetup or whatever (laughs) and uh, talking about stuff or like it's you and your boyfriend and like y'all are like, you know, out in the middle of the night, like going all around the town with like a staple gun and like papers that are saying like 9-11 was an inside job and like all this other stuff and like just leaving all these like messages like in all the population areas and all the bulletin boards where like everyone's going to see it and just, just shove it in everyone's face and go to all the protests and do this and that and, you know, wave signs and march and think that that's going to, you know, do something. Um, you know, we did that. This shit was fun rolling around in the middle of the night with a bandana on your face with a, with a fucking stapler gun and just a bunch of shit to plaster all over buildings that they would eventually just take down the next day. Um, it was fun, but it's like that, you know, that's what you would do. But yeah, you talk to people about it. They think you're nuts. You know what I mean? But then, uh, 2020 happened and then all of a sudden it was like, everyone was taught, not everyone, but like, you know, it was 50, 50. There were a lot of people talking about it. Um, and I was just kind of like, what the fuck? Like (laughs) now y'all are talking about it or like y'all are just now figuring this shit out. Like it was not cool to talk about. Like when I was, you know, going down these rabbit holes, now people are like making a living off of it. Like what the fuck? But I was still trying to survive, you know, in the situation that I was in when uh, the alleged pandemic hit, uh, I was not in a good situation location wise, uh, resource wise, uh, logistically. I mean, it was a fucking nightmare. Uh, you know, I'm lucky that I survived it. Um, there are a lot of people that are not alive as a result, 
whether direct or semi-direct from the living conditions that many of us were under once that's the, once the world shut down, you know what I mean? Um, and I guess we can get into that later, but let's talk about where the great silencing came from. So the great silencing came from, I was living in, um, downtown Los Angeles, like, and not in the nice area. Um, when the alleged pandemic hit, AKA the big C, AKA the pandy, whatever you want to call it. Um, I was living there. I eventually got out. I was like, fuck this shit. Like I'm not paying like up the ass to not be able to work and like, you know, deal with people shooting each other, like right outside my fucking window every single day and, uh, not be able to do anything or go anywhere. And I knew, I knew the vax mandates were on the way. And I was like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm, no, I'm not staying around for that shit. So, you know, there was a lot that went down, but like I did have to, I, I made the, I made the call. I went back home to Oregon. Um, and I had only been living in LA for, I lived on the outskirts, like near Pomona, like in that little, like little area, like Azusa, Covina, that like Pomona, uh, fucking La Puente, that, that whole area. I lived there for like six months cause it's cheaper. Right. Um, but then I had moved into like the central Hollywood area, uh, f- and uh, cause I was going to a music school and I was there for 10 weeks And then COVID hit and then everything shut down. And then I spent the next eight months, like just in a can of sardines, like in that area where there were just like constant riots and like shootings and robberies and everybody was fucking on the street. And it it was, dude, it was, it was wild as hell. So I got a lot of stories from uh, my experience down there, but I eventually did have to, uh, I did have to get out of there. Um, Cause I was like, man, if I stay down here any longer, I'm going to end up doing something that, you know, you can't take back and that has lifelong consequences. So, um, I had to get out. Uh, so I get back up to Oregon and I'm like real frustrated. That's a putting it lightly because I feel like the world's gone nuts. Uh, Oregon is an insanely like as left as it gets, and I'm not somebody who buys into the, the left-right political paradigm. Like, I think politics are theatrics. Like, I, I'm not interested in them at all. Um, I don't think anybody's coming to save us. I think the whole thing is a fucking joke. Um, I think politicians are just foot soldiers for the banking cartels, but, you know, whatever, different conversation. Um, but I say that just because everybody understands who, like, what archetype I'm talking about when I say, like, far left or, like, I mean, look, dude, Oregon is the birthplace of fucking Antifa. Like, let's just put it that way. Like, it's, it's nuts. So, so, you know, I'm up there and I was tripped out when I came back because this is still when everything was locked down. And in L.A., it was crazy because we just had no fucking freedoms and it was like nuts. And there was it was so fucking violent. The crime was out of control. Like it, it like I even went to jail for literally defending myself against a male, like a dude twice my size. And he called the cops on me or whatever. And I was just like, you're a bitch. But, you know, I still went. Um and I was like, man, this is not good. Like, you know, you can't defend yourself in this fucking state. Like, you know, just doing the minor thing that I did to protect myself is apparently like uh, to them a felony, even though I didn't do it. But like whatever they say I did. So I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, you know, I need to fucking step back uh, because this is getting like too much. Um, and I'm going to end up doing something that's for real going to put me like, you know, behind bars for a long time. Um 
So I went back up to, so that's what we were dealing with in LA In LA and people with resources or people that lived in safe areas. They didn't have to deal with any of that shit. But if you lived where I lived and we're going through that stuff, you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, you know what it's like to lose housing multiple times. You know what it's like to lose your income multiple times. You know what it's like to lose people because you didn't take the Jim Jones juice. You know what it's like to lose people because you don't repeat everything the TV tells you to. Um, you know what it's like to, you know, see the writings on the wall and see just absolute madness and people you've known almost your whole life, like turn into these reactive, like, you know, robotic, just like Pavlovian dogs for whatever the talking head on the TV says. And you're like, what the fuck is going on here? And then you're the crazy one, you know? So that's kind of a, that's a weird trip that, that, you know, many of us have to navigate. So when I'm up in Oregon, you know, at this point I had already been dealing with a lot of censorship on the internet, like feeling like I didn't really have anybody to talk to about, you know, like what I was seeing around me because I wasn't buying into the hype or whatever. But going back to Oregon shocked me because in L.A. we were just trying to survive and like people needed money, food, a roof over their head and like ideally protection from violence. Uh, good luck. But uh, that's th- that was the, the name of the game down there. Like nobody gave a fuck about, you know, the big C, like n- nobody, uh, at least no one that I knew. And I, I sure as fuck didn't. Um, I was more worried about, you know, like immediate things that were in my face. Like, oh, I just came back to my apartment and there's a giant pool of blood here. Like, let's go find the body like that, that type of stuff, you know? So, uh, you know, we weren't doing so well. Uh, so I leave, I get back up to Oregon and I'm like, wait a minute, y'all have more freedoms. There's more things open. Like the restrictions are slightly less, but the mentality, like the fear, the hysteria, the echo chamber, the hive mind was fucking unbelievable, dude. Like unbelievable, unbelievable. I I was like, how, wait a minute, you guys are scared up here about this shit? Like, do you guys have any idea how fucking easy you have had it the last, at that point, this had been going on for eight months. I was like, do you have any idea how easy you have had it? Like your, your, your areas, unless you go into that one area are largely fucking safe. Like, are you guys out of your fucking mind? So like the mentality was way different. So I was like, oh my God, what the, where the fuck am I? I'm just trying to make music, bro. And like, you know, fucking hopefully the world opens back up, but you know, whatever. Um, I wanted to say a lot of stuff and between censorship and the area that I was in and just the community and, you know, living in a a culture where it's socially acceptable to, of course, only on the internet, right? Because nobody's going to do this to your face unless they have a fucking death wish, um, which they don't. Uh, everybody's real brave on the internet though. Uh, people love to, um, wish death on the, uh, unjuiced, and uh, applaud when they can't enter buildings and applaud when they can't get jobs and applaud when they lose their housing and lose their family and friends and livelihood and um, their rights and, you know, call them plague rats and, you know, they just act like good Germans from 1930s, basically. Like, all that's completely socially acceptable and encouraged um, in that area. And I'm like, what the fuck happened to all of you? Like what the fuck? So that's what I was dealing with. So I was frustrated. Then one day 
Um, I saw a writing contest by a company called Vocal, which I am no longer subscribed to, and we'll get to why that is. Uh, and no, it's not because I didn't win, but like they put out a writing contest and it was a dystopian doomsday fiction, uh, writing contest. And they said, enter a piece of dystopian fiction and include a gold locket in your story. And, you know, top three best stories win cash prizes. And I fucking needed cash, right? Like I was hard up for cash. I was working at a restaurant bartending, but we were like barely allowed to be open because of all the regulations from the big C. And we also had like skeleton crews. Like there'd be like one cook in the back and like just me and the bar. Like we had to close at like fucking six, get there at two. It's like, what the fuck? So I was also like driving for food delivery services, but still it's like, you know, you need money because the cost of living went up like way up, but like the availability to get money, at least for those in my lines of work went down. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to enter this. And also it's like, you know, kind of cathartic. Cause I'm like, cool. I get to do it under the guise of fiction and I'm going to project exactly what I think is coming in our society based on our trajectory currently. But I can just be like, just kidding. It's fiction, you know, whatever. And like get past the internet censors that keep flagging me or restricting me or, you know, ban- like banning my account or taking off my fucking pose. Um, and like also, you know, if anybody tries to fucking act up or whatever, like, you know, if they're too close to me, I'll just be like, oh, it was just fiction. And I can also just tell them to fuck themselves too. But I was, I really just felt like I could not speak. I could not express myself, uh, for a multitude of reasons. So I jumped on this when I did and they announced the winners, I was not one of them. And then a week later they sent out an email saying that they were going to be closely monitoring all fiction story submissions for misinformation and harmful conspiracy theories. And I was like, oh, they read mine. And I'm sure mine was not the only one that was like that. (laughs) Fucking. So that's when I was like, unsubscribe. Fuck y'all. But still, it gave birth to the Great Silencing. It gave birth to me starting the Great Silencing Instagram account. It gave birth to me starting a blog on my music website. And now it's the reason why I'm talking to you on this motherfucking podcast, episode one So here's what I'm going to do for you. And I did this for me too, but I did it on the first take of this podcast. So this is my second time doing it. I wrote this in early 2021 and I was like, you know what? Maybe I should read because it's literally called my entry to this contest is called The Great Silencing. Obviously a playoff of The Great Reset, right? But I called it the great silencing and I was like, I, I haven't looked at it since I published it really. Like I wonder since it's been about a year and a half, I wonder it like how far off I was in my projections or whatever. So, and I hadn't read it. So I read it on the last podcast, um, that got deleted and it was, it was a trip. So I'm going to go ahead and do that again. Um, so yeah, get ready for four minutes of story time. You guys, this is the great silencing. And this is why my non music alias is called the great silencing. So here it goes. I always knew I was born for this, but I never knew the price I'd pay. 
Before the great silencing, when things were normal, I despised it all. Society, the rat race, narcissism, and social media, it all led to this. No one was paying attention, except for people like me, those constantly plagued with nagging intuitive feelings and dreams of total societal collapse, which clearly manifested, in spite of everyone rolling their eyes at what they thought were conspiracy theories or paranoia at the time. I don't feel much for the billions of lives lost. My rage turned cold and now the only time I feel alive is in chaos, going toe-to-toe with the Grim Reaper himself. That's why I knew I was meant to live in these times, but I could never imagine what living in this wasteland would take from me. I tried to protect them. I had enough water, guns, and ammo for all ten of us, eight of which were children. That was my first mistake. I should have had more than one grown man on board. I wonder if things would be different had we picked up those stragglers on the road and let them stay with us. Would they have fought alongside us during the ambush, or would they have brought that fate upon us even faster? They came at dawn. As we were loading the truck, the government had already wiped out the the militias, and those of us inside the walls had been without food for days. We figured we could make it into the wasteland before they sealed the border. The sirens had been going off all night from people escaping. Unfortunately, our idea was not unique, but having a working vehicle was. I only remember hearing the first shot. The rest blended together, noise until I heard nothing. I remember the smell of sulfur and iron. I remember the truck backing up without us inside. I had just given the people who were now speeding away in our truck three cans of food the night before. When they left, I saw what remained. Everyone was dead. Streams of blood formed a river, staining the gravel with the evidence of stolen souls. As for me, I'd been shot twice in the back, but unfortunately nothing lethal. If I could have one wish, it would have been to die with them. But I live, and I live for one thing, revenge. Aside from guns and water, I carry the numbers of that truck's license plate in my mind as if it were the only thing in existence. And most importantly, that once golden, now blood-stained, heart-shaped locket around my neck. My students got it for me on the last day of school, a class picture given to me in the morning, only hours later to have no graduation, but a complete shutoff of all power grids in the United States. Then came the unmarked vehicles, then the riots, then the bombs, then silence. Every voice that worked to warn or to protest conditions leading up to this were first to be killed, along with anyone affiliated with them. Well, they missed me somehow, but they'll find me eventually. I'm on borrowed time. But I wasn't thinking about any of that. I had to take my students and run into the dark, take them as far away from the fire as I could. I was able to return most of the children to their homes. We snuck in at night and luckily the parents were there. The eight I had with me, though, their parents were gone, either gunned down by those in the tanks and black vans or taken to the internment camps outside the wall. So the plan was to find the camps, find their families and somehow get them out and find some food while we were at it since they stopped dropping the MREs days ago. But the mission failed before it had a chance. 
there are no children to bring to a mother or father anymore. I suppose it is mercy that they no longer have to live in this world. They exist now only in the locket, stained by the blood that bonds me to the vow I made to avenge each one of them, every lost soul on that sinister sunrise. I live only to find the ones responsible for stealing the lives of the innocent. Once I get what I am searching for, my work on this earth is close to done. Close. After that, I will find the ones working to free those in the internment camps and join them. But that is not all. Justice must be dealt to every single person who allowed and even applauded the great silencing to come forth. The censorship, the killings, the disappearing of dissenting voices, the brainwashed Lord of the Flies mentality that took over our society, creating utter chaos and violence, the people who created and fanned those flames. They gave the government the perfect opportunity to do this. They are an extension of the machine and did its evil biddings willingly. It was a mark of virtue. Looking back, it's almost like the government had it planned the whole time. And us lunatics, us dumb, narcissistic, petty folk, squabbling over our differences and stepping on necks to get a bigger piece of the pie, were just pawns that performed to such perfection that I almost respect the puppeteers. It was flawless. It got to the point where the social conditioning worked so perfectly that you could not speak any words outside of the narrative without your own family coming after you and wanting you dead. They'd even turn you in. The walls of every building and street corner had ears and eyes, always on those key words, always on you. That's why I don't care that they're dead. They weren't doing anything but creating chaos and hiding in plastic utopian bubbles, thinking they were making a difference in the world's problems by putting a sign up in a yard of a house in a gated community. I suppose that sounds a bit hypocritical saying all they did was create chaos given my premeditated homicidal confessions, but whatever. I don't believe in a God or karma anymore. If they existed, this world wouldn't. So I will embody karma and I will deal what must be dealt to balance the scales. Maybe the freed people from the camps can build a better world. After all, they were the only ones trying in the first place. That's how they got in there. Before the great silencing, you could only repeat what your TV told you to think. Now, the only noises I really hear are gunshots and the sirens from inside the walls. Eventually, that turns to white noise, and I go back to hearing and feeling nothing. Ideal conditions for executing my mission. This is why I wanted to live in apocalyptic times. There is something so simple and pure about kill or be killed. No bills, no routine, no clocking in or out of a soul-sucking job, no debt, just survival. Water, food, guns, ammo. It's very simple. If you can dim the light on your conscience and understand that our old sinful concept of murder is really just subjective, all you have to do is be willing to eradicate anything standing in your way. That's it. It feels like this is how we were always meant to live, before we constructed those man-made concrete matrixes we once called cities. I always knew I was born for these times. I just never knew the price I'd pay to live it. The lives I was supposed to protect falling through my hands like sand. 
So I clutch my blood-stained heart-shaped locket, always hiding it when it rains, because the blood makes me feel like they're still here. It's the only physical evidence of their existence. So I clutch my locket tight, keep an extended clip, and am forever on the hunt in this wasteland. And once I find the ones who killed my people, once I help free the ones in the camps, I will return to the walls. I will return to the heart of the great silencing, and I will shatter their eardrums. I will burn that place to the ground, along with everyone who sold their soul and their minds to live in a state of false security, at the expense of the ending of humanity as we have known it. The freed people from the camps know how to build a better world. After all, that's why they got in there. All right, so that, my friends, was the great silencing. We can plainly see why it did not win, (laughs) and we can plainly see why an email was sent out after the fact. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah, that, that tripped me out reading it. Um, it honestly did. I was like, damn, man, that was my, the name that I go by is deeper than I thought. I forgot. I forgot it was, you know, like that, like that. Um, but some interesting things though, you know, uh, a big thing for me, a big thing for me right now is, uh, preparedness being solution focused, community building, um, again, preparedness, And uh, something that I kind of have eyes on and anytime I prep for anything, they are always grid down scenarios. Um, Always, 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 always. I already know that that's coming uh, for a multitude of reasons. I don't know how much I should get into on episode one, but I mean, my telegram channel is like fucking exploding with uh, documents interviews, videos, my own posts, my own findings, podcasts that I've been on and talked about this shit ad nauseum. Uh, so it ain't hard to find. Um, again, if you're on telegram, that channel is at the great silencing uncensored. Uh, if you are on Instagram, that channel is at the great silencing. If you're also on Instagram, you can just look up at Testamona, T-E-S-S-T-A-M-O-N-A. There's a hyperlink in the bio. It will take you to literally everything, Um, including discounts on EMP shields. Speaking of uh, grid situations, even though EMPs are power surges, not outages, but uh, both are realistic. But yeah, I was not even like mad in the know as far as um, the agenda with resetting the grid and resetting the table. Those are all Rothschild and Rockefeller documents that you can read in my telegram or just go online and look them up. They're right there. Um, I suggest using Brave Browser. I would not use Google and I would also not use DuckDuckGo. Uh, But you can find them. They're right there. So, uh, yeah, me mentioning the power outages is interesting because I was not like, like looking back on, even when I wrote this 18 months ago, where like the biggest problems I was dealing with was censorship and like trying to dodge all the fucking vaccine mandates and like people's psychosis and lunacies. Those seem like high class problems. Ironically though, I am a lot more relaxed and in better mental health. Um, A lot of that is because I chose to drive across the country and relocate to Tennessee um, and get the fuck out of that environment. 
And I also chose to show up at different events of like-minded or freedom-minded people, learn from them, work with them, build relationships with them. Um, And my life has exploded and I have found ways to fuse both music and this together. Uh, Because at first that can be, you know, that can be very confusing when it's one foot in, one foot out, you know, of the matrix where like one part of you is like, you know, this whole thing is failing. What the fuck? I see the writings on the wall. Like I got to get off the grid. Like I got to be producing my own food, filtering my own water. Like there's all these skills that I need to learn, you know, whether it's medical, tactical operations, um, uh, you know, herbalism, Again, water, food, um, security, defense, you know, the, the list goes on. You know, that's why you need a community. You really can't do everything yourself, you know, um, but you can do a lot yourself, though. So don't ever underestimate yourself. Don't think that you have to, like, wait for other people to see things the way that you do to start getting prepared because I sure in the fuck didn't. Um, and I just started and that just, you know, that's the law. That's how the law of attraction works. We attract what we are and we attract what we do, not what we think about or, or what we want. You know, it's not like a wishing well, I mean like to a degree. Yeah. Like that does put vibrations out into the multiverse. You know what I'm saying? But, but like real talk though, like who you attract into your life, like we attract what we are, we attract reflections, uh, we attract mirrors. So, so yeah, that, that, that changed real quick. I went from like doing everything by myself and feeling isolated as hell and like really scared and having to keep things, you know, kind of on the low and like covert and, you know, move a certain type of way to like that not being the situation at all. Um, and you know, I'm still building and still learning, you know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, the resources are there, the people are there, the connections are there, the opportunities are there. It's a matter of showing up and putting in the work and prioritizing it. That's all it is. Um, and it's a matter of dedication to that. And it's also a matter for me of dedication to my music. But luckily, I've been able to literally fuse those two worlds. It's kind of magical. Um, I don't quite know how that happened. Um, people can come to their own conclusions, whatever, you know, universe, magic, alignment, intention, God, you know, I, all of the above, you know, for me, but, um, yeah, like moving out here and like getting tapped in with the various communities in Tennessee and in the Southeast in general has been absolutely tremendous, uh, because there's only so much you can do on the internet. You have to show up in real life to actually make these bonds and you have to actually put in the work, you got to show up. So, uh, yeah, to the people out there that are in hermit mode right now, uh, fucking stop it because, uh, right now you need other people and other people need you. I don't care who you are, unless you are like a raging sociopathic narcissist, uh, you have something to give and you have a position to play. Do not fear the reaper. Don't fear death at all. Death is a phenomenal teacher, I'll tell you that much, with the amount that I've experienced in my life. Nobody will teach you a lesson the way that death will. And what I can tell you is that uh, 
the only thing that really matters in this life, the only thing that is truly significant when you are standing in the wake of tragedies that you never fucking fathomed you would stand in. Um, everything drops except what matters. Everything else drops. They are illusions. They are noise. They are bullshit. And what's left standing? Love and the relationships and connections and memories that we have with other people in this incarnation. That is all that matters. I heard somebody say once, isolation is a tool of the enemy and I could not possibly agree more. Why do you think everybody was told to stay in their homes, fear other people, stay X amount of feet away? Did you ever wonder why it was six feet, by the way? Uh, there's reasons for that, like actual reasons. Why don't you go ahead and look up like what the typical person's radius is of their energetic aura? It's six feet. So it actually does have an effect on your psychology to be that far away from people all the time. Um, also to always be on Zoom or to just be afraid of them and in a perpetual state of just bug the fuck out and inside your house and not getting you know fresh air, sunlight, human interaction, human touch. Uh, why do you, and, and then, then who's there for you, right? The news, right? And what are they doing? They're just pumping you full of bullshit. So it's like, that's, you know, that's why everybody's lost their fucking mind. Um, the question remains though, why are there some of us that that shit didn't work on? I have, uh, thrown that around in various conversations with people. Uh, we don't really fucking know. Somebody had one theory once. It was kind of interesting. He's like, are you dyslexic? I'm like, no. He's like, ah. Oh. I thought maybe it was just people that were dyslexic. Maybe I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> so, uh, dyslexia is a theory. I'm like, I don't really think that I like, not that I fucking know of bro, but, uh, I feel like I would know if I was right. Um, so I don't, I dude, I don't know. I don't know why the spell didn't work on everybody. Um, that's not to say that I'm not still conditioned by the matrix and don't still have like, you know, invisible chains that I need to break or shadows that I need to integrate. Of course I do. Um, but I'm just not like, you know, fucking not, I'm, I'm not on the other end of the spectrum. Like that shit didn't work on me. Um, so yeah, um, that's how the great silencing got started. And what people wanted to really hear about was a little bit about my background and why I do what I do and how I transmute uh, what I've been through into purpose and like what drives me. And that would be, I mean, like I said, I, I did, I've been clean and sober for almost 13 years in November. It'll be 13 years. Uh, but when I was young and again, younger than 14, I got into drugs and alcohol. I was like a very troubled kid. Um, I was a suicidal kid when I was like at the age of 10, um, I went through a lot of stuff, um, in my childhood and in my teenage years and, and, you know, even after that, um, various traumas and such. And, uh, you know, drugs were a solution. Street life was a solution. Um, so I went that route, you know, um, and when I got sober is when the music happened. I got sober at the age of 20. I was almost 21. I went to jail, um, and then when I got out of jail, I had the opportunity to go to a treatment facility, 
And I also got to live in a halfway house after that. And those, I mean, that saved my life. It a hundred percent did. Um, but when I was in treatment, I was in there with somebody named Nate and Nate, um, Nate passed away about a decade ago, but, uh, rest in peace to Nate. Nate was a brilliant poet and uh, I always wrote lyrics, especially when I was locked up or in some form of an institution, rehab counts, right? So, you know, whenever you're not on drugs, basically, that was always my coping skill was writing, just writing lyrics. Like I just obsessively would always, even as a kid, I would just like put on like rap music and tune out the rapper and just put it on repeat on my little like boombox or whatever and just write. Um, and then I would also just write in silence. I just, I've always loved writing and, and, uh, I thought it was just poetry. I grew up with zero self-esteem and zero self-worth, um, praise God and praise the love in the universe and the way everything worked out that that is no longer the case, but that is how I grew up. Uh, so I never, ever thought that I could be a singer. I never thought I had any talents. I never thought I would be anything. You know what I mean? And so, um, I never tried so I never knew I could sing. And uh, one night I went out for a smoke when we were in rehab and Nate had written some poetry and I had written some and we, we would like switch and like read each other's stuff and like talk about it or whatever. So like I gave it to him, like, like two like fucking like detoxing junkies, just like writing poetry and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> oh my God. Oh Jesus. But it's how it started, man. Don't think that don't don't be on a high horse judging. Think that God's only in certain places. Just don't even get me started on that shit. But if you want to find where God can do some miracles, man, look at the most hopeless fucking cases and you will see it. But we were there, right? He reads mine. This is not a place where we're playing music. You know what I mean? But he he looks at me and he goes, this doesn't read like poetry. This reads like a song. I can hear like a four bar count. I didn't even know what the fuck that meant back then. He said I could hear a four bar count while I'm reading this. Like I can feel the rhythm in what you're saying. Like this reads like a song, not like, you know, traditional poetry. And when he said that, And I've always been like beyond obsessed with music. Like it's always been like my thing, but I never thought I could, you know, do it. I just have always been wildly in love with it. Um, When he said that, I remember my heart just dropping like ice cold terror because in my head, uh, excuse me, I immediately knew (laughs) just burping into a microphone. Um, I immediately knew, oh shit, you're going to have to sing these now. Like I just knew it. And I was like, oh my God. So I was absolutely terrified as I had never sang before. Um, And so I was like, all right, all right, all right. I'll make myself a deal. If I can make it to 90 days. And the reason why 90 days is so significant is because amongst uh, junkies, we would refer to not the 90 day mark as the wall. And everybody would always say, you know, when we were out there using, cause I was trying to get clean for like a while before I did, like it, it really did take me like literally getting physically removed by police <laughs> off the streets and put in handcuffs and detoxing in a County fucking jail. It took, it took that. And then some to get me, um, I had to get ripped out of my environment. I really forcefully, I couldn't do it on my own. Um, But 
they would always be like, you know, nobody ever makes it past the wall. Nobody can ever make it tonight. Like that was like, you know, the holy grail of like being off dope. Right. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it was heroin or not, but yeah, that's what it was. Um, so, so I was like, all right, if I can make it to 90 days without relapsing and dying, then I will try to sing. So I promised myself that. And I was like, all right, you better fucking do it. And guess what? I made it to 90 days and I was like, okay. So then I wind up like enrolling in the, in uh, the, um, community college and they had a music technology program which like teaches you how to run like a small little like home recording setup. So that's how I know that's, I mean, all of the music I have ever made in my life, I have recorded myself um, most of the time in a closet in my room or like in a corner of a room somewhere. Um, It doesn't sound like that. The earlier shit does, but like, it doesn't sound like that at all, but that's because I fucking know how to make it not sound like that. You know what I mean? You really can record anywhere. I've recorded in fucking hotel rooms. Like you can literally record any fucking where uh well not outside but you know um so I learned that and then they had like you know choir and like group voice classes which is like basically choir so I joined that I was like all right let's let's see let's see and the music technology piece was was fine with me because I wanted to produce music real bad so that 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 was fine I you know you just you're in there fucking around with sounds and like making beats like that's dope like I love that shit um Ironically, though, I do not produce my own music today. (laughs) I work with actual producers that like only do that. And I'm like, I'll stick to the songwriting and the singing piece uh, because lyricism ultimately and the delivery, um, that's that's my strong suit. Uh, I will let the producers who have been doing this for decades uh, do the production. It's a lot easier that way. Um, Otherwise, yeah, ugh. I like my shit to sound a certain way. So anyways, um, I remember walking into the group voice class. Music technology was my comfort zone, right? I was like, I love this. This is easy. I don't have to be vulnerable and get up in front of everybody and sing, you know, when my head tells me I can't do it and have no talents. And so I was walking to class and look, this is coming from, I did wind up graduating high school actually, eventually. And I actually wound up going to and graduating college, which is weird as fuck. And like, you know, in today's world means absolutely fucking nothing. But I did do that in recovery. Um, But I was a high school dropout. I dropped out freshman year, like immediately. Like I stopped going. Um, Took me a minute to go back. So um, I, and even in middle school, I was always the kid that was cutting class to go get high and get drunk and like commit felonies. Basically that was me. That was me all through middle school and definitely high school. Uh, and then I got locked up. And then when I did eventually go back to high school, I kind of, you know, kind of, you know, learned how to dial it back while I was at school just so I could get the fuck out of there. But anyway, I'm walking to this group voice class and I stop and I'm like, you know what? Like it's late. Like I'm tired. I don't want to do this. Really what that was, was my ego trying to, um, make excuses for me to not have to do it because I was scared. That's what was going on. But my head started making all these excuses of why I shouldn't go to the group voice class. And I was like, you know what? I'll just skip it. And I turned around, not a full 180, but about 90 degrees. And I still remember this. And and this is a long time ago, y'all. I still remember this. And I looked, I remember looking down at my feet and I was like, and in my head, I had this conversation with myself and I was like, yo, you have been 
skipping class and cutting school your whole fucking life. Like, just go to the class. Do something different now. Like, just try something different in your life. Like, you're, you've already changed all the other stuff. Like, let's try something different. Just go. So I turned back around and I went in. And I saw one of my homies in there. I was like, oh, shit. So, like, that made me feel a little bit better. And we all, like, sang as a group, right? And then at the end of the class, the teacher's like, okay, now people are coming up for solos, volunteer basis, who's doing it? And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see if I can do this. I'm throwing myself. I'm, like, throwing myself to the wolves. So I went first. I was like, I am. And I just went up and did it. And that's how I found out I could sing. I had no idea. I had no vocal training. I had no prior experience with singing. I was never in like any choirs when I was a kid, like nothing, bro, nothing. And like all of a sudden I had this gift and I could sing and I was like, oh my God, literally, oh my God, because I was like, where else would this come from? Like, I just have this gift. Like, and so then I started recording, I started going hard Um, and that kept me sober because there were a lot of things that happened in my first two years of recovery. And you are so vulnerable in your first two years, like so vulnerable, like your brain has not even begun to repair itself. Like it takes at least two years for your brain to like bounce back from the addiction. Uh, you go through these cycles of what are called post-acute withdrawal symptoms, and they last for at least two years. If your drug of choice was meth, they last longer, uh, about four. However, it depends on everybody. It depends on how long you use, depends on how your health is now, what decisions are you making, you know, like how old are you, like what, you know, it, it depends on all kinds of things, bro. Like I really do believe in like rapid, um, like miraculous types of healing uh, just because I have witnessed it. I have witnessed extreme sickness and extreme turnarounds and unexplicable cures of ailments that have been plaguing me forever. So I've experienced all kinds of weird shit in my life. Uh, so, 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 you know, but that's just like the general, you know, that's what any doctor is going to fucking tell you. Any, any addiction specialist, regular doctors don't know fuck all about addiction. They're just like, here, take this pill and don't be mad at me when you're dead in fucking six months. Um, so, So yeah, I went hard with it and that kept me sober because there were a lot of times in my first two years where like something would happen and uh, I was very reactive. I was very rageful. I was very angry. I was very explosive. It took me years to even learn how to like solve problems without physical violence. That's just real talk. It, It did. Like I was not one of those people that came into recovery and like did all the right things. I did literally everything they say not to do except two things. The one, the two things that I did right were, well, one, I didn't relapse. I didn't pick up. Um, and two, I didn't keep any secrets. That's the biggest thing. I see that kill people over anything else. That is always what it is. There's something that they're not being 100 with at least one person about, but they're usually hiding something and it festers and it builds and they don't want people to know or They're like, I can fix it on my own. I can do it on my own. I can handle it on my own. And then before they know it, it becomes too much. The levee breaks and they're like, well, I can't reach out and talk to people about it now because it's escalated so far. Like what, like where would I even start? And then they, it leads them right back to the shit and then they fucking die. 
Like I could not even begin to tell you how many people have died that since I have been just since I've been sober that I've known. Um, and it's, it's constant. It's constant. Um, so, so that will take, that will take people out. Uh, like, so I gotta be real careful about that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Uh, real careful. But I was, but when I was new, I was really good about that. Just like, I didn't care how crazy I sounded or like whatever. I did not give a fuck. I used to hear you can't save your ass and your face at the same time, meaning like check your pride, like humble yourself, get vulnerable, like get raw, get real, do not hold back. So I'd I'd be fucking just hella public. I'd spaz in public, like I or I'd go into a, a recovery meeting and be like, yo, this is dead ass, like what's going on inside my head or what's going on in my life or whatever. And it's like when people know that they can support you and help you through whatever kind of crazy shit you're doing. Um, or, or is happening or whatever, you know, but if you keep it to yourself, it's, it, I've never seen that go, even for people who aren't drug addicts, I don't see that go well. Um, you know what I mean? I just don't, but, uh, yeah, those two things, but everything else I did, I mean, I, Lord, I have done some crazy shit in sobriety. Um, where was I even going with, with that? Um, oh yeah. I, so it helped me stay sober, right? Cause there were plenty of times when I wanted to get loaded and I got sober in my hometown. So like all it takes is me, like even the halfway house I lived at was like up this, it was on the same street as where I was living before I went to jail when I was a heroin addict. Like it was literally right there. Um, and like all my dope connects were in that town. Like I could have called, one of so many numbers and gotten high like at any time um which is why it was important to be surrounded by um other people who were doing the same thing which is why that recovery house saved my ass and like you know making sure I built a community and really in injected myself in that community and participated in that community um and showed up for that community and to that community on a regular basis, uh, because that saved my life. So, but the, but the other two things that kept me sober when that, that, that wouldn't have been enough for me, honestly, were two things music. Cause I knew as soon as I got loaded, I would sell all the gear that I used my little student loan money to buy uh, guitar center and I would take it to a pawn shop and sell it and it would be gone and I would be, you know, just doing dope and miserable. Um, and I didn't want to give music up. And then the other thing, you know, shout out to my probation officer. I'm not going to I'm not going to say her name on this podcast and I doubt she'll ever hear this. But if for some weird reason she ever does, that would be super dope. Um, but shout out to her, dude, because um, she was actually pretty fucking dope. Um, like a lot of people have shitty POs, but she like actually like wanted to see things work out for me, uh, which I appreciated. Um, and she also did not fuck around either. Uh, she was a badass, and uh, she told me, she told me. I mean, she's like, you mess up once, you're going to prison. You realize that, right? Like <laughs> one time, and you're gone. So uh, I was like, well, so pri- not so staying out of prison because I knew, you know, like because relapsing was a probation violation, and like I had multiple felonies at the time, so um, I would have gone whoop straight to prison if I would have fucked up my probation. Um, 
and you can't make music in there, can you? Well, yeah, I guess you I guess you can write it, but you can't. You damn sure ain't recording it unless you want to record it over the fucking phone. So I wasn't really trying to make an album over the phone. So, uh, so music helped, and I wanted to use all the experiences that I had been through, whether that's struggles with pe- with trauma, you know, with various um, things that can happen to women in this world. Uh, well, they happen to men too, though. That's that's another thing I learned being in recovery because we, you know, we sh- get really real with each other and share what we've been through. I did not realize that there are so many men out there who experience sexual abuse. Like it's like it can that 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 is not like a women specific thing um i know a lot of men that have that in their story so um yeah it's everywhere but yeah like i you know go like just being on the i wanted to use every experience that i had been through whether it's like mental health stuff you know ptsd um street stuff um you know uh abusive relationships drug addiction recovery uh, finding purpose, like healing from all this stuff, like learning that the abuse you've been through, like when you were a kid, wasn't your fault. Cause like that, that is a big fucking problem when, when you believe that. And I believed that for a huge part of my life. Um, so like I wanted to use all my experiences that I had been through to, to help others because I feel that pain's ultimate utility is, is growth. And when pain is shared in my experience, love is always born. Um, so I wanted to do that and I started doing that and that's why I do that. That's why I do what I do. Um, and I've always been very passionate about like speaking the truth of, or, uh, or at least things is how I see it. Like I'm just a big communicator. I want to share everything. I want to, you know, rally people together. I want to, do something to, to make this world a better place. I want to share everything. I don't want to like hold anything back. You know, I used to say, I want to, when I die, I want to leave this life like a deflated balloon because that would mean that I held nothing back. Um, so I went hard with the music for a minute. Right. Um, and then I had some stuff happen, some life stuff happen. I don't know if I'm going to get into that on this podcast, but, uh, it has to do with, uh, Lord, that's a whole shit. That's a whole topic right there. Um, but I got caught up in some stuff. Uh, no, I did not relapse, but um, I did kind of back away from music for a long time. And if you're if you're somebody who uh, I, I I honestly believe everybody's creative, and if you're alive, like you have a, everybody has a reason to be here. Like everybody, I think that we all like contracted to be here before we showed up. But that's just my belief. Um, and we, you know, the name of the game is figuring that out and remembering it and then at like executing it and doing it, um, which all requires clarity of mind and discipline, which, uh, you know, ever wonder why our society is like all the assaults are on like mostly those two things. <laughs> um, uh, there's a reason for it. But yeah, so I, uh, I stopped creating and any creative is going to know that that is like a a slow kill death sentence. Like you will deteriorate and decay and you might not even know why, but like, holy shit, you do not want to know how fucking bad your mental state can get. So I went down like a massive rabbit hole that led to a physical and mental health crisis, um, and I came out of it at the end of 2017. Um, and I recommitted myself to music like around that time, but it was like also like 2018 is when it like really kind of started. And it started slow because 
I still was dealing with like pretty fucking significant health problems for a number of reasons. Like, again, I just, I just skipped over like multiple years and like a ton of stuff that happened. Um, and then in 2019, that summer, that's when I moved down to LA County from Oregon. I was, cause I had to get the fuck out of my hometown. I'm like, yo, this is like, this place is like a fucking graveyard. It's like a war zone. I got to get out of here. Like I can't be here anymore. Um, and there's just only, you know, only so much opportunity in a small town if you're trying to do music. So I went to L.A. and I was living on the outskirts for the first six months. Then I got into um, a music program uh, in central Hollywood. So I moved into central Hollywood and then 10 weeks later, uh, COVID hit and everything shut down. And then, you know, the mayhem ensued. And then eight months later, I was like, fuck this shit, you know, and I went back up to Oregon and I was like, I need to recalibrate and look at like the writings on the wall and everything that's going on and like figure out where my next move is because like I need to get off the West Coast and like I don't want to be anywhere near a vaccine passport city. I need to be able to like still make my music and I want to live free and I want to be away from this hive mind hysteria bullshit. And I want to be able to like speak freely and live freely and like just be left the fuck alone by the government. Um, regular people, I can deal with those motherfuckers, but I just want to be left the fuck alone. You know what I mean? Like I want to be like, you know, in charge of my own destiny. And I've learned a lot. Like since I've, I've been in Tennessee, I got here like, uh, the very last day of March, 2022. So I've been here for almost four months and I cannot believe how much better my life is than I even could have imagined it to have been at this point. Like I, I absolutely cannot believe it. Um, and I have learned so much and continue to learn so much. Like this weekend, I'm going out to West Tennessee for a permaculture workshop. We're like le learning how to plant swales. And it's like that stuff that I'm interested in. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of communities out here. People, the people out here are amazing. Like they're willing, if you're willing to show up and put in the work and like do what you say you're going to do, which is with the exception of me not breaking down the Pfizer data, which I'll get to after this briefly. Um, that's who I am anyway. Like I don't, I, if I can't trust your word, I don't respect you. I don't fuck with you. I don't want you in my life. If you're an inconsistent person, bro, best case scenario, I'm holding you at like the furthest fucking distance and I'm not taking you seriously. Um, so it's like, as long as you're willing to show up and put in the work and learn and be humble and teachable and like, you know, not be a bitch about stuff like everybody in my experience has been more than willing to fucking help. And like, what's also been mad dope is I've been able to fucking find ways to be helpful in return. Cause that's a big deal to me. Like I want to add value to people's lives. Um, and that's also why I need to invest in myself and be learning these new skills is so I have like even more to offer. Cause when it comes to preparedness, it is not just about water, food, and guns and bullets. It is, it is not, it is, it is literally, we're talking about like, we are talking about taking 100% radical response. We call it radical, but it's just responsibility. 100% ownership and responsibility over your life. And think about all the things that those of us who aren't living off grid rely on the government for our, 
our, our plumbing, our sewage systems, sanitation systems, hospitals, doctors, um, uh, jobs, uh, water, your this, the, your shower, your bathtub, your sink, your kitchen, uh, grocery stores, gas stations, like literally everything, um, your electric, your electricity, your heat, your air conditioning, the roads, like it's, it's fucking wild. And so it's like, you know, there is a lot of people like both in Tennessee and in this region of the U S and in the U S in general, you know, you just got to know where to look and also in the world. Um, that are part of a movement that has been coined the exit and build movement, or you, maybe you've heard of the conscious resistance, or maybe you've heard of freedom cells, but there, or, or maybe it's people that don't put a fucking label on it. They just do it. Um, you know what I'm saying? But there's a lot of people that are like, yo, like we see the writing on the wall. We see that that system is designed to fail. We're not interested in arguing. We're not even interested in participating we're interested in opting out and building our own shit. Um, and th- that's 100% what I'm about. And so it has like expanded into just so much amazing people, relationships, things to learn about. Um, God, I mean, I just I, like, again, this is all material for future podcasts. Um, and I definitely have a lot of super dope people that I know that would make amazing guests. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of good stuff for y'all in the future, including new music. Um, I do have some stuff already done. I'm working on three different EPs right now. Um, they might be slightly longer than an EP, which for those of you who don't make music, an EP is like a max of five songs. So then they'll be albums, but I have three separate like projects that I'm working on simultaneously right now. Um, but I'm going to release a few singles first and the first one it's already done, but I have to, for various reasons, I'm waiting until August 19th to release it. And that song is called alien tumbleweed. That song is for, if you're like me, it's for people like us. Uh, but I've often referred to myself as that just like, you know, like the, the type of people that don't fit the mold, the type of people that are the square pegs in the round hole, you know what I mean? That never that, you know, fit into the sit down, shut up and repeat after me model of the public schooling system that they were put in when they were kids, you know, like just people that are different and people that are kind of like, you know, drifters or on the move or, you know, trying to just figure out like, where, you know, and they've lived these lives that have been, you know, largely pretty turbulent where the ground is always like shaking or falling out from underneath them. And they've had to learn how to survive that way. Um, and that's a hundred percent me and what my experience has been in this incarnation, but it doesn't have to be only that, you know what I mean? But, but there is, but for the people that are alien tumbleweeds or, or, you know, some people call them black sheeps or outcasts or ramblers or whatever you know hank williams had that song rambling man like it's the same fucking thing you know what i mean um and this song's got mad dope summer vibes like really good feeling to it like it really oh my god it's just a burst of just dopeness like which will be needed because a lot of my songs that will be coming afterwards are a little heavier. So, <laughs> so I'm super excited to share that with you. Um, tap in with me. If I'm, I'm going to release this as an audio only episode. Obviously I said that like originally I did that because, um, 
I was cleaning my friend's house uh, for him and uh, I, and it's the new moon in Leo and the thunderstorm started and it was raining. Yo, I'm from Oregon when it's like downpouring rain and I hear that shit. Like, I love it, dude. I go into spirit mode immediately. Like, I love that shit. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I got like two days to like, you know, before I got to head to West Tennessee for this whaling workshop, um, you know, and I'm almost done with this cleaning this house and stuff. And I'm like, you know, staying here like temporarily or whatever, just cause I can, <laughs> and then they're fine with it. They're gone. So me cleaning the house is like word. Thanks for letting me use your space and record music all week. Um, uh, yeah, it's been nice, but, uh, I was like, I'm gonna take a break like for a minute and like, just go meditate. And like I did, and like I did some, you know, my little spiritual practice. And then I just had this urge to just get up. And I, I was like, go, it was like, go record your first podcast episode. Now go do it. So I went and plugged in a little USB mic to my computer and just went off for like 90 minutes with the rain in the background. It was mad dope. But then I hit the space bar and it all just fucking deleted. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me, bro. Um, so yeah, uh, we just did it again and now I'm going to wrap this shit up, but yeah, that's how, that's how it happened, man. And, uh, I've been here like recording music all week. And so I'm super glad that I also got my first podcast episode in, but yes, it is audio only because it was spur of the moment. Also, I did not feel like getting, you know, I'm in the middle of cleaning, bro. Like I, I didn't feel like getting all fancy and pretty, you know what I mean? I'm sitting here and like, tiny little short shorts and like a tank top with no bra with my hair thrown up and like my face is probably fucking oily and sweaty like I don't know dude I'm not trying to do that so I just wanted it to be quick so this will be audio only whatever platform you are watching this on um, if it is a platform that allows links in the description box so those are going to be platforms like YouTube or Rumble or Odyssey or Float app or you know, whatever. Cause like, I know Spotify don't, don't allow that shit. Um, it might allow something. I don't know. I'll have to check, um, for podcasts. Cause I'm just on Spotify for my music. I don't, I'm not on there as a podcast yet. Uh, all my links will be there. That includes links to all my uncensored content, all my socials, how to get a hold of me, all my music. It also includes links to things like EMP shield, which is, the world's only U.S. military certified EMP shield. Uh, I explain what that is, and I am an affiliate with EMP shield. So if you want one for your house, your car, which I have one on my car, um, or your RV, your generators, your solar equipment, your warehouse, your place of business, like whatever, um, use coupon code testimona, T E S S T A M O N A at checkout. You get $50 off. Boom. There you go. Um, if you're in a place where there's a description box, I'll have a link and that link will auto apply the $50 discount at checkout. Um, if I can afford it, I'm pretty sure most people can because I am not in a high income bracket. Uh, let's see. Other than that, if you would like access to the recordings from the self-reliance festival, uh, two days worth of experts in the field of preparedness, survivalism, tactical operations, homesteading, community building, underground networking, food production, entrepreneurship, and more, 
uh, you will need my link for that. Um, so go to just find me, find me on telegram or find me on the best place to find me is Instagram at testimona. Cause in that bio, I have a hyperlink, right? It's a link tree. So link tr.ee slash testimona. And then all these things pop up where you can gain access to that Intel, where you can get the $50 off the EMP shield. You can also purchase from me, um, which are very cheap. If you're interested in non-permissive environment tools, AKA weapons that are hidden in plain sight, um, hit me up because I have these, uh, they look, they look, they are, and they look like, uh, hair combs or hairbrushes, like, but they're like, they're little plastic combs. You know what I mean? That you, dude, it even works in my hair. My hair is so long. It's like down to my belly button and it works in my, and I have a lot of hair and I can actually brush my hair with these combs, like real talk. But the top comes off. And what are you left with? A double-sided three and a half inch dagger blade. Uh, so very unsuspecting many scenarios why you might want that email testimona at protonmail.com. If you would like one, um, I'll have it set up in my merch store soon. I just got to figure out some logistics to like, yeah, just whatever. It's a long story. Um, but yeah, hit me up and yes, they're legal. Don't fucking freak out about it. Um, or if you see me in person, you can just buy, just let me know, buy it off of me. That's easier. You don't have to pay for shipping. Um, so yeah, if you want, you want that, you want an EMP shield, you want some Intel, you want some music, uh, you want to be part of a chat, you want to link on socials, you got something you want to talk about, suggestion you want to make for another podcast episode, whatever, whatever. Um, or if you want to check out my YouTube channel and see the vlogs that I've done or like the, um, other podcasts that I have been on, those are all there, uh, along with my music videos. So yeah, I think I've given you enough places to get a hold of me at. Again, you can also go to testimona.com at the end of every blog entry that I write. I always include that link tree, that hyperlink that I just told you about that has literally everything um, that I have available. So, so yeah, man. And tap in with me on Instagram, tap in with me on Telegram, uh, do the things and, uh, we will all talk soon. So let's hope to God that this doesn't delete itself again. And, uh, this concludes episode one of the great silencing podcast with your host testimona. I will be back again soon, my friends. Except the roaches in my room